Hi, good afternoon. My name is Greg Lois. If you're with us here today, uh, it's for our webinar on temporary disability benefits in New Jersey. This is part of our overall New Jersey webinar series. It is always the fourth Monday of the month. Uh, today I am joined by Michael Gervolino, who's sitting to my left, your right, uh, who's an associate in our New Jersey workers' compensation practice. Hi, Mike. Hey, Greg. All right, if you ever miss one of our webinars, all of the webinars are saved on our website. Uh, you can go there and watch them with closed captioning. Uh, these webinars are just one of the many things we do to reach out to our clients and the workers' compensation community. I hope everyone who's watching has a copy of my handbook. As you know, these webinars roughly follow the chapters in the book. Uh, we've completed defenses and we are now on to the benefits section of our book. Again, the webinar series, it runs for an entire year. It basically runs from beginning to end through the handbook. We did defenses and how to deny claims and when to deny claims for the first three months of this cycle. Uh, this, we are now firmly into the benefits part of the cycle, which is talking today about money benefits, indemnity benefits. Uh, we're going to talk about medical benefits next month when we do motions for med and temp defense. And then we're going to move into more advanced concepts, including things like how to pick the right IME doctor, uh, letters to send to IME doctors, when to do appeals, when not to do appeals, and things like estimating exposure in our permanent partial disability and permanent disability cases. All right, these are totally live. These webinars are occurring 99% of the time they're, they're live. Sometimes yeah. we have to record them due That's to scheduling. Uh, but we are here live. Please feel free to ask us questions. I've got the computer in front of me today uh, so we can see the questions as they pop up. Uh, please type them in as we go. You don't have to ask questions about this topic. It could be really any topic in workers' compensation, and we're happy to take a crack at uh, answering that <laughs> together for you today. All right, so I'm going to set Mike up here. Uh, we are still talking about benefits this month. Uh, we're talking about temporary disability benefits. And Mike, let's let's bring this full circle. Uh, the presumption we're going to make in today's conversation is there has been an accident at work, and there is some type of medical impairment uh, which is impeding or reducing the petitioner's ability to return to work in an unrestricted capacity. Okay, so that's going to be our presumptions. Let's talk about uh, what happens next and how we pay those indemnity benefits. Sure. Okay, so as a reminder, there are four benefits in workers' compensation in the state of New Jersey. There is There are medical benefits, there are temporary disability benefits, permanency benefits, and death benefits. Today, we'll, we'll, we will focus on temporary disability benefits. Um, as you can see on the screen, we will be discussing, we'll have a separate webinar for permanency benefits in November. November. Sorry. Right. And we'll be talking about exposures and estimating at that time. Yes. So generally, temporary disability benefits will be given to a petitioner when he misses time from work. Um, the way you calculate this is by taking 70% of the petitioner's average weekly wage. The average weekly wage is subject to maximum and minimum minimums as provided under Section 12 of the Workers' Compensation Act. Uh, this can be found on the state of New Jersey's workers' compensation website. Uh, as you can see, as you can see up there, there are maximum and minimums listed right on the website. So for 2017, you can see it's $896, and the minimum is $239. And as, also, as you can see, they steadily go up every single year. Yep, yep. <laughs> it never gets any easier. We had like one year where the benefit actually reduced. Uh, that was in 2011, and that's because we're always lagging behind the actual state average weekly wage calculation. In 2008, 2009, 2010, mm -hmm. our state average weekly wage actually declined, and that was because of the impact of the financial slowdown of 2008. It caught up to us in 2011. The maximum rate dropped down a little bit, but 
every year since then. So basically the last six or seven years it's gone up and it's going up again for next year. Yep. Uh, 2008 is already out with a max of $908, the minimum of 241 This will be uh, become effective on January 1st, 2018. Right, and we say effective, we mean for dates of loss after that yes. date. So January 1, 2018, that's when it, it, and your old claims with prior dates of loss, they don't automatically step up. There's no cost of living adjustment in New Jersey. All right, let's talk a little bit about the fundamental of this. The temporary disability benefit is calculated at 70% of the average weekly wage. Mm -hmm. This is something where we should stop and take a pause and take a knee and sort of think about average weekly wage. We should be fighting about this and we should be trying to establish the correct average weekly wage in every case. Yes, I, I agree. So the, uh, the average weekly wage is calculated by the petitioner's actual wages. And what you do is you want to take the last 26 weeks of their wages and you get the average of that. Um, we typically recommend that you don't take the week that he actually got hurt, because mm -hmm. that can be like an incomplete week. But the 26 weeks before that, uh, we'll take that and we'll average it out. Uh, if you don't have the full 26 weeks, pretty much we'll take whatever you got. Right. So if you have, like, say, only five weeks, we'll take those five weeks and we'll average it out, and that will be the petitioner's average, average weekly wage. If you have more, send more. But generally, 26 weeks is what we're looking for. All right, and let's be thoughtful here. I mean, if you've got a year's worth of wages, that would yield a lower average weekly wage. Let's look at that. If you only have 26 weeks of wages, let's look at what we have. Uh, New Jersey doesn't have a similar worker rule. Uh, it does say in the statute that wages should be calculated by, based on uh, what others in the industry are doing, but there is case law that says you do not reconstruct temp. In other words, the claimant or the petitioner only worked a 20-hour work week. We don't reconstruct up to a hypothetical 40-hour work week to come up with an average weekly mm -hmm. wage for the purposes of temporary disability benefit. We don't reconstruct on temporary disability benefit in New Jersey. Now, reconstruction is possible and appropriate sometimes in a permanent partial disability case, right? That's a case where we're going to say, look, this person is going to get an impairment. It's based on either the sum of multiple injuries or a neck, low back injury. Uh, but on temporary disability benefits, we do not reconstruct temp, and there is case law that says that. All right, so we've now come up with the average weekly wage. When do we start paying, Mike? After seven days. Uh, so essentially, <laughs> I think this, I think this, this slide kind of gave it away. Yeah, yeah. so uh, the petitioner is out for seven days exactly. He doesn't get any temporary disability benefits. But once he is out for that eighth day, then he gets that eighth day temporary disability benefits, and plus he gets retroactively the seven days before that, and obviously anything after the eight days. So in other words, he has to have the eighth day. If he doesn't, then he doesn't get any benefits at all of temporary disability benefits, of course. Um, also, he, um, it doesn't have to be consecutive. So in other words, if he does maybe three days, then goes back to work, then another three days, goes back to work, then another two days, he gets temporary disability benefits. So it doesn't have to be consecutive. It doesn't have to be right in a row. Okay. Um, now, the reason you're here today, I'm hoping, is so that we can talk about when we end temporary disability benefits. Our goal, of course, is to get the petitioner back to work in some capacity, uh, to get them back on the road to recovery, get them back to uh, a productive life. So let's talk about how we end temporary disability sure. benefits. So there are three ways to end uh, temporary disability benefits. The obvious, uh, most common way is when the petitioner reaches maximum medical improvement, which means essentially his doctor, his treating doctor told him, there's nothing more we can do for you. Mm -hmm. He's, there's no longer, you, there's nothing treatment-wise that can cure you. Uh, it brings me to the next point. There's a difference between curative and palliative care. Uh, if the petitioner is still receiving palliative care, which is really just pain management, uh, then he can still be at, at MMI. Mm -hmm. what, what he, needs, he needs to be done with this curative care mm -hmm. for him to reach MMI. Palliative care does really just does not count. 
the second way, if he refuses light duty work, uh, essentially if the employer says here, we have modified duty for you, which matches his treating physician's recommendation, and the petitioner, the employee just doesn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. So he refuses to do light duty work, his temporary disability benefits end. And the third way um, is 400 weeks maximum, which is, what, eight years. Right. So if he gets temporary disability benefits for 400 weeks or roughly eight years, then he's done. Right, so off. that's the cap. At that point, uh, you're going to be talking about permanent partial disability or permanent total disability, even more likely. I mean, if they haven't come back in eight years, uh, New Jersey, thank goodness, says you have now maxed out on temporary disability. You now have a permanent partial disable disablement. All right, uh, there's other times when we can end temporary disability. Well, um, as you can see, the, the petitioner uh, cannot refuse light duty work. So he say he just completely refuses, doesn't go in at all, um, then we don't have to provide temporary disability benefits. Uh, as you can see, voluntary resignation is a, um, a refusal. And uh, there's also, if he, the petitioner um, knowingly does something else which gets him fired, then we can end it essentially. So say like right. he goes to work drunk and he, they know he's drunk and he violates some kind of rule and they can fire him and they can end that for disability benefits. Right, and that last one's important uh, because uh, the claimants who come back to work and they're consistently tardy or they refuse to do jobs and say all of a sudden, oh, my doctor says I can't do this or that, who uh, leave work early, have unexplained absences, uh, that is grounds for termination both from the employment but also for ending temporary disability benefits because the claimant may be knowingly engaging in activity which they know is going to lead to them being separated from the employment. Uh, there's a recent case, 2016 case, in which the claimant came back to work, was working in a light duty capacity, and as part of our normal workplace practices, everybody was getting urine drug tests, uh, urine toxicology screenings just to keep your employment. Mm -hmm. Even though this employee was doing light duty work, it's accommodated work, it was not his regular duty, he still had to do the urine drug testing, which he failed and was terminated for failing the urine drug test. Uh, he then went back into workers' comp court and filed a motion for amending temp saying, hey, I deserve to be paid temp. I, I was willing to do my light duty job and that's what I could do. And the uh, employer was upheld with the refusal to pay temporary disability benefits based on the fact that the claimant did something purposefully, knowingly, that they knew was going to violate a workplace procedure or rule and was going to get them separated. Uh, there's a fine line here, and we always coach our clients to be very careful about this. We don't want to tailor new work rules just to eliminate this person from the workforce, but when it's general things like in the case of Cunningham, which is cited on your case, coming to work tardily, uh, refusing to come to work on time, eventually gets separated, or in the more recent case in 2016, well, uh, those decisions have been upheld because those are general workplace policies that apply to everybody. Uh, New Jersey requires the, uh, the petitioner to accept light duty work. Uh, we were talking about how we don't really see so many fights about light duty. Yeah. You had one in a recent case where the claimant didn't want to have to do the extra travel to get to the light duty assignment. Yes. So you see little things crop up or the petitioner will come back to the work and then claim that it's actually too difficult for them to do. So those are things where on a case-by-case -case basis we will coach our clients on how to best address it. Um, be cautious about ending temporary disability uh, too soon. And let's talk about the, the potential penalties or downsides to that. Sure, great. Yeah, there are some downsides to ending temporary disability benefits. Um, first one is really the penalty. There's 25% um, payment on top of temporary disability benefits if you don't make the payment and we get uh, stuck with it. Uh, generally, there's a 30-day rule. You have to make the temporary disability benefits within 30 days. If you don't, like you said, you get the penalty of 25%, plus you can also get an attorney fee which would be uh, the judge would have to assess
based on his discretion, what is reasonable. In other words, how much work the petitioner's counsel put in to getting that uh, reimbursement to the uh, petitioner. Yes. And, uh, but there is a rebuttable presumption, <laughs> um, me. which means essentially if we, you know, say we didn't pay by accident, maybe we sent to the wrong address or they got lost in the mail, then we... we petitioner do, moved. Something petitioner like that. moved. Yeah. We, we do have a chance of, of you know, not getting the, uh, the penalty assessed. But generally, you want to make your payments within 30 days to avoid any kind of penalty. Mm -hmm. um, another way we can get harmed by this is that if the petitioner files a motion for men attempt, uh, they're actually not allowed to file a motion for men and temp under the statute. Uh, not for, for just temp. temp. I'm sorry, I apologize. For just temp, you're not allowed to file it, but they do it all the time mm -hmm. anyway. Mm -hmm. So it's something we have to look out for, something we have to deal with if we cut off temporary disability benefits. Yeah, I mean, we'll argue in our brief in opposition to the motion for men and temp that it's defective because it's yes. just seeking temp. Uh, and that is supposed to be rectified at the end of the case, uh, but generally speaking, judges will address it because they want the petitioner to be able to have some income stream coming in. Mm -hmm. um, we're always asked this question. It's probably the number one question. Uh, and by the way, I'm, I'm scrolling over here to see if we have any questions on our, on our thing yet. Do we see any? Uh, okay, we have at least one answer. Good, 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 good. Um, but the most common question we get uh, is, can we terminate somebody while they're on temporary disability? The answer is yes, of course you can, um, but you can't terminate them because of the temporary disability benefits. So in other words, you can't fire them just because they're on temporary disability benefits, but you can fire them for really any other reason. Sure. Essentially, any reason that's like a good faith business reason. You know, they're a poor employee, so you're moving your company, so you're you know, re relocating. There's a whole list of reasons why you sure. should do it. Shutting down the location, we're going to do a layoff anyway, the contract ended, the job ended, we don't need this project anymore, whatever. As long as there's a good faith business purpose behind exactly. it, we're going to be safe, and yes, you can terminate them. All right, the last little topic we're going to talk about here is the idea of partial temporary disability in New Jersey. This is something that annoys me to no end. I'm going to ask this question. It doesn't annoy me to ask the question. I'm annoyed that this has been allowed to be uh, perpetrated upon the workers' compensation community in New Jersey. The New Jersey workers' compensation statute contains no authority, uh, one way or the other, uh, supporting the idea of partial temporary disability. Um, there are unreported, non-precedential decisions, and these are decisions made by one workers' compensation law judge who sat in Camden, uh, providing a partial temporary disability benefit to a petitioner. And let's talk about the facts in that case. The petitioner earned $1,000 before the accident. So pre-injury, average weekly wage is $1,000 a week. That would entitle this petitioner, while on temporary total disability, which again is the only compensation allowed under the statute for a temporarily disabled claimant, a $700 a week temporary disability benefit. And that's easy to calculate. 70% of the average weekly wage, which was $1,000. The uh, employer was able to offer light duty employment at $500 a week. This leaves a differential. The petitioner would have been better off sitting at home, drinking beer, watching Judge Judy, uh, and collecting the $700 temporary disability benefit. Uh, savvy counsel for the petitioner makes the argument that, Judge, isn't my petitioner getting screwed over here? If he had sat home and done nothing and was temporarily totally disabled, he would get more money than if he actually you know, uh, is a Spartan, is a warrior, comes to work and is working in a light duty or accommodated position. 
the judge did uh, make a decision based on humanitarianism, essentially just saying, you know, that doesn't feel fair. It doesn't feel fair that he, he does worse by coming back to work. Of course, it ignores the fact that, uh, A, the, there is no partial temporary disability benefit under the statute, that there's no statutory authority, either pro or con, for this benefit. And B, the idea of getting people back to work is actually the, a huge part of our statute and a huge part of the driving force behind workers' compensation. The idea of, hey, let's offer them some kind of light duty, let's get them back. And, and the reasons for that, as, as many people watching this webinar know, are once the employee's been separated from the workforce for X amount of months, the potential for them returning to work in any sort of productive capacity starts to diminish. And over about six months of separation, the statistics are very low that the petitioner will ever return to any sort of productive capacity. Throw all that information to the side, the judge basically made a decision here based on fairness. Basically said, this on yeah. um, Now, there is nothing, this, this was not appealed. This non-presidential decision is the one that's waived all about the, um, uh, the, the, uh, the division of workers' compensation. There are many judges now who are awarding or um, condoning the payment of temporary dis partial temporary disability benefits to partially disabled and working uh, claimants. Uh, I feel very strongly that this violates our statutes, not just what's in the statute, but also the intent of it. Because remember, in New Jersey, the number one your complaint you're going to hear from your insureds and that I hear from my employers that we work with are, Greg, this stinks. This guy only lost three or four weeks from work, and he came back to work, and now he works full-time, full-duty, same position, or maybe even a more strenuous position, is asking me for overtime, is asking for promotions, maybe I'm paying them more money, but they somehow got this $100,000 workers' compensation settlement uh, for permanent partial disability. These things don't make any sense, and I say to them, remember, uh, that doesn't make any sense, you're right. It doesn't seem like a disabled person would be coming back to the employment earning more money. But remember, New Jersey's not a wage replacement state. It's a whole man impairment state. And we're paying for impairments, essentially injuries, we're not paying for the impact on their wage earning capacity. That's our whole statute. I believe that paying partial temporary disability transforms our statute into more of a wage replacement or a uh, lost earning state. And it's, I, I think, against the statutory intent, because remember, you, you could have an employer that's now going to pay this partial differential for 400 weeks, eight years. That could be a huge benefit, and it might actually exceed or get darn close to the permanent partial disability award. They'll still be able to win at the end of the case. All right. As you can tell, I'm quite passionate about yes, this. I wanted these two slides. These are my two slides in today's presentation uh, because I feel strongly about it. If any one of my clients or anybody else in the community uh, wants to fight the idea of partial temp, I'm probably your guy to write the brief, so come see me. But in a practical sense, for many of our employers, in particular where we think maximum medical improvement is close, uh, we will often, on a case-by-case -case basis, counsel our clients, hey, look, it's not worth fighting the idea yeah. of partial temp. This isn't the case to make case law. We don't want to make bad case law. And I think that's why a lot of defense counsel are steering away from challenging this idea of partial uh, temporary disability in New Jersey because they just don't want to make bad case law. My feeling is that the judge of compensation who made the underlying decision made it based on feelings of fairness, just basic fairness, mm -hmm. basic humanitarian feelings. 
And unfortunately, I think that's what the appellate division would probably do, too. Uh, they would probably just go, ah, oh, it feels fair. Let's just give it away. You know, it's always easy to spend somebody else's money, right? Um, so for all of those reasons, I think we'd have to find the right case to challenge this one. But this is one of the more interesting areas of workers' compensation uh, uh, practice and has its evolved over the last several years in New Jersey. All right, with that, let's go to questions. And I know I can see right already we have one question. Okay, so Myron asked the question. If a petitioner reaches maximum medical improvement with permanent restrictions that the employer cannot accommodate, can rightfully suspend temporary disability? Absolutely, Myron. That is literally the definition and the perfect time for us to be moving the claimant on to permanent partial disability, okay? Uh, and that's the whole point. That's why, again, I get so frustrated with the idea of partial temporary disability. It just extends that time out. When, once the petitioner has reached maximum medical improvement, that doesn't mean that we've got them back to perfect, mm -hmm. right? I mean, rarely we do. I mean, you've had some type of injury, uh, you know, under our workers' compensation system, they get medical treatment, but at some point they've medically plateaued. Yeah. There's just no curative treatment that we're never going to get you back to the way you were. Uh, some petitioners and sometimes claimants counsel confuse the idea that we're going to get them back to perfect. Nope. We're just going to get you as best as it can go, and then it's, you know, you're right back to the front lines. That's how this system works. Uh, and at that moment, once they're back to the front lines, maybe they can't return to the same employment. Maybe we can't offer light duty. I think that's the number one challenge we have with a lot of yeah, our clients. Definitely. We can't offer light duty. Uh, this is an over-the-road trucking position. This is a manufacturing position. We need people who are fully healthy to do these jobs. Okay, we can't offer you a light duty position. We also can't offer any more medical treatment. There's nothing more to be done. That's the definition of maximum medical improvement, and that's where we would then move them on to a permanent partial disability. Oftentimes, when we know we can't accommodate someone and we know that the treating physician is giving them uh, working restrictions, hey, we know permanency is coming, and that's what we're going to talk about, issuing a voluntary tender, right? Let's pay them some money uh, so that we can then line up our IMEs, get that permanent disability finding, and get the judge to approve it and close the case that way. All right, let me see if there's any other questions. All right, just Myron today. Uh, feel comfortable emailing either Mike or myself with any other questions you have. Next month, our topic is going to be defending motions for medical and temporary disability benefits. That is August 28th. Uh, we hope to see everybody at that uh, presentation. Okay, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, guys.